Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. and then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, we have children's ministry available for both services and if you need to get more information on the church you can go to calvarydivine.org. Go ahead and pick it up in verse 5. I'm going to go back just a little bit because we, we were in Genesis chapter 2. We got basically to verse 7 but I want to make sure we go over that before we jump forward. It says, when no bush of the field was, uh, was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So we talked about this a little bit last time about God, how he formed the man. That, that Hebrew word means to be the maker, to fashion, to pot, the potter, uh, the way a potter would fashion the clay. In Isaiah uh, verse 29, verse 16, it says, You're, You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me? Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. I think that's a, a verse that's very, very relevant today. Right? He did not make me. God makes them. God creates them. And we're going to get into that. I'm not, the reason why we're not going all the way to verse 26 is because we're going to spend some time next week talking about the importance of marriage and, and talk about uh, the importance of being created male and female. Because everything in the culture today goes against that. When I read this verse, it says, Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, that the thing that made you should say of its maker, he did not make me. That's exactly what happens when we do transgender. You're saying that what God made is not good enough. I'm, I'm not a male, I want to be female. God made you male. And so we'll get into that next week as we, we talk about the creation of, of Eve. But we know in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, for Adam was formed first, and then Eve. And we'll, we'll see that as we get into the verses here. And it says, The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there He put man whom He had formed. See, the, the, the thing is, is we're not formed out of anything special. We're formed out of dirt. Dirt. Right? That's how He formed Adam, out of dirt. It's because it's the Maker... The maker that forms us, and it's the maker, the creator, that should get the glory, right? But you think about the human body, 
And all that can do, just think about when a, when a woman has a baby, there's over 200 bones that are developed in that child, in the womb. That's amazing within itself. But that's the maker. That's the creator. We're made in His image. And I love it because we know that God's hands were involved. God's hands were involved. In Psalm 103, 14, it says, For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And we look at the animals of the field or creation, and we're alone the only ones that can worship God. Us. We're formed by God. And I love that, that God formed, formed us. He formed man. He spoke everything else into creation, but He formed man. He was hands-on. Hands-on. And as men of, of our families, that's how we're supposed to be. Hands-on. As leaders, that's what we're supposed to be, is hands-on. We lead by example. We do by example. Your children watch you. They're seeing how you handle things and what you do. But I love that God, God's hands are involved. He formed us. And then He breathed the breath of God, the Spirit breathing into Adam. And He only does this with man. And I know if we you know, think about just the, the past two years, breathing is something that a lot of people thought would never be an issue. We take it for granted, right? Now, anybody who has a, a, a lung illness or have had RSV before, or you know what it's like to have a trouble breathing. But we take it for granted that, that the breath of, of God, the, the, the fact that we, we're waking up breathing is because God's allowed it. God's allowed it. And we don't see it that way, do we? We take it for granted. Until you get a cold, right? You get one nostril that can't, you can't breathe out of, and you're like, man, I wish I could just breathe. And I, I, I love that. Job 34, verse 14 and 15 says, If he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together, and man would return to dust. Job knew that all it takes is for God to take his breath and it's over. It's done. Back to dust. It's over. That God had that control. That He could bring Him home at any time. And that's for a reminder to us that we are to be dependent on God. That's why God sent His Son Jesus. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, it says, As it was written, I have made you the fathers of many nations, in the presence of God in whom He believed, who gives life of, uh, to the dead, and calls into existence the things that do not exist. God gives life. It's God. I saw something yesterday where the... And it's amazing. That I, it used to be where you go to Yale, you were smart. The young lady was saying that, that... Because now they want to talk about the womb. She said the womb was... Uh, that the child knows in the womb whether it's supposed to be a boy or a girl. Even though if it comes out wrong. I was like, you're out of your mind. It's God that gives life. But God, it's God that creates the male and female. Think about it. God gave Abraham a child. He's over 70 years old. And Sarah has a child. It's God that gave a womb that was not producing children. Brought life to it. It was God that spoke the promise and delivered the promise. It's the same God that will bring up the dry bones in Ezekiel 37 verses 5 through 6. 
my son was is going to be teaching on this i think next week or the week after and he was telling me dad do you realize that the bones aren't dead until all the stuff that's on there is decayed all the stuff has to die all the stuff of the world that we hang on to has to fall off of the bones verse 5 of, of Ezekiel 37 is thus, thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Job 27.3, it says, as long as, I, as long as my breath is in me, the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. I love that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 45, it says, Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now we see that God has formed man, and now He's going to put him into the garden. In verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there He put the man whom He had formed uh, the word for eden it actually means pleasure in the hebrew and god planted the garden in the eastward part of eden a place of much water and yet he gives everything that adam needs it shows you how much god loves adam and cares for him every need that he has is there to be taken care of and we see two gardens here that, that are mentioned that in the Bible that are prominent. We talked about that last week. You have the, the, the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. Those are the two gardens that are predominantly spoke about in the Bible. God placed the first man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden. And then Jesus went to Gethsemane to restore what the first man had lost. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And we see the two trees now. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So two trees. The tree of life. The tree of life is mentioned also in the book of Revelation. It's a life-giving tree. The tree of life was seen at the beginning of human history. And it will be seen again at the end of human history. It was originally planted in the Garden of Eden and it will be transplanted into the city of New Jerusalem. Man chose to not eat of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden, but man will freely eat of the tree of life in the New Jerusalem. The other tree is the question that most people will ask. Why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Right? That's the question a lot of people will ask. Why would God do that? The tree of knowledge of good and evil was one of the trees that Adam and Eve were not to partake of, but they disobeyed. And we'll look at that when we get into chapter 3. But they had choice. The same way you have choice. You have free will, they have free will. Adam had free will. What God wants from us is a, is a loving relationship, one of choice. And that's what He's always wanted. It's also the tree of knowledge of good and evil was one that we were supposed to be dependent on God. And they decided that they wanted to be dependent on themselves. What happens is when we become less dependent on God, we fall further into sin. And Adam decided and Eve decided that their, their dependence was on each other and not on the Creator. And it's a test of obedience. It's the same test that we all have. And, and I'll, I'll tell you this. I, as I was studying this, I had a phone call from a young man this week that I know that Donna and Court know. 
and he calls me. He tells me, Mike, I was at a bus stop. Uh, and some guy kept coming up to me and asking me, do I want to take a pot, take some of the vapor or vape that he had? And he kept explaining to him how it would open up his mind. The parts of the brain that would never open up, this one would open it up. And he told me, he goes, I knew in that moment I wasn't supposed to do it, but I did it. And I felt bad. Didn't do anything, he said. He called me the next day and I told him, you know, as he was telling me, and I was like, well, the good thing is there's a couple positives here. Even though you're, you, you fell into sin, the guy kept tempting you and tempting you and tempting you, almost like peer pressure, and he fell for it. And I told him the good thing is, is that the Holy Spirit was there, but you just didn't listen to it. You knew you weren't supposed to do it. I said, you, all you had to do is if you had the armor of God on, you could have told him, you know what, I got something that will open up not just your, your brain, but your heart as well, which is Jesus Christ. And he could have shared the gospel with the man. And I told him, I said, son, I, I feel bad. I, at the end of the day, you know that it was wrong. You feel bad today, so you know that what you did was wrong. We need to, you need to repent and we need to get right with God. He had a choice all day long. But he chose not to do it. He chose to, to go ahead and partake of it. And, you know, when we look at the tree of God, uh, the knowledge of good and evil, it's, it's a test of obedience. It's a test that we all go through every day. There are things that people try to tempt you or get you to do that you know are wrong, but you don't do them because the Holy Spirit resides in you. Unfortunately, sometimes people override that. There's... You know, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, but the tree that, thank God, that we know is the tree of Calvary. The tree of Calvary that covers our mistakes, that washes away our sins. And I told him, I said, do you realize that you're covered by the blood of Christ? You need to start listening to the Holy Spirit. You need to start getting back into the Word of God. You need to put on the armor of God because you didn't do it this morning. And you need to repent. And you know what? God loves you. God loves you. I mean, that young man's been through so much. So much. He was left on the road, got hit, hit by a hit and run, and left to die. He was on a motorcycle. Boom. And, and, I, and I understand. I mean, I know he deals with a lot of pain. Physical pain from the accident. But I told him that's not the way to go about it. You know? That's not the way to go about it. But we, we have to, what do we do when somebody comes to us? We, we point them back to Jesus. That's, that's what our job is. We point them back to Jesus. We tell them, hey, <laughs> you do realize the thing you did was a sin. And thank God he was like, yes. All right, let's, let's get back on the horse. And let's get going, right? Matthew Henry said this, Nature is content with little and that which is most natural. Grace with less, but lust craves everything. And it is content with nothing. It's content with nothing. When you lust after things, it will crave everything. And, and you, have to, you have to be ready for that, those, those times of temptation. And Adam was put in the garden with instructions. He's going to get instructions, right? Not to mess with that tree. Let's go on to verse 10. It says, A river flowed out of Eden to the water in the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon, and it is one of them that flowed around the whole land of Hab Elah, 
I knew I was going to mess that up. Havila. I had to get it out right. Havila. Where there is gold and the gold is of the land is good. Uh, Badalak uh, and Anox are, are, Anox stone are there. And they named the second river as Gihon. And it is one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows out of the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Now, you, you're going to notice that the names like Cush, which is in Ethiopia, and the Euphrates, they're real places, right? And we're pretty confident, I mean, that, that the Garden of, of uh, Eden was in the Middle East. But you have to remember, this is before the flood. Things got changed drastically. And so there are people that will sit and go, well, you know, there should be archaeological evidence that Adam and Eve actually existed, right? And honestly, there was uh, no indication of them needing pottery. Everything they had was taken care of by God, right? But at the same time, there was no, uh, no buildings that would have needed to be built. Everything that they needed was provided by God. And then you had the flood, but we do have rivers that are mentioned today that still exist, the Tigris and the Euphrates, which is actually present-day Iraq. Now, were they named that because of the Bible? We don't know. Maybe somebody goes, you know what, it's in Genesis, so we'll make that the Euphrates or the Tigris. Right? But we don't know. It's, it's prior to the flood, and that's what we need to remember. When we get to the flood, we'll go over all this. But we know that the uh, it was planted, the, the tree of... the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was planted eastward in the land of Eden. It was actually, there was the land of Eden and the garden of Eden. It was a very expansive place. In Revelation 22 verse 1 it says, And the angel showed me a river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Meaning that we'll see these rivers again. Right? It's important for us to remember that. It's, it's like there's an end to this story. And Jesus wins. And so it's, it's one of the things I, I heard. I heard somebody say today the reason why the Lord hasn't returned yet is because the bride is not ready. The church is a mess. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I said, that's a stretch. I believe the rapture can happen at any time. And, and, and we know that, that Jesus Christ already has victory. And we need to remember that. We need, know, we need to remember, too, that there will be a, a river of water of life flowing from the throne of, the God, of God and, and of the Lamb. The Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So He takes man and puts him in the Garden to work it and keep it. To put him in, in the Hebrew, actually means, the word means as a verb, but it actually means rest. You read the word and you go, wait a minute, He said He's going to put him to work and keep it, but He actually had rest. And it wasn't just physical rest. He actually had the rest of, of spiritual rest. It's, it's that relationship with God. And it was the original state that we're supposed to be in. This is where Adam is. To put him in was to actually give him rest, to be in a relationship with God. There was spiritual rest in, in God, in the garden. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 3 through 10, it says, For we have believed and entered, entered that rest, as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. From, from he was somewhere spoken of the seventh day in the way, 
And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in the passage he said, They shall not enter into my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter, and those who formerly received the good news news failed to enter because of their disobedience. And again he appoints a certain day. And today, saying through David, so long after in the words already quoted, Today if you hear the voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. I love that. When you give your life to Christ, you, there should be rest. You should enter into rest. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Come to me all who are labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke up upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For us, Jesus gives us rest. Now, heaven, people think, well, I'm just going to be laying around, right? But if you see in the garden, he had, he had something for them to do. They were in a place of spiritual rest. But God had stuff for them to do, had stuff for Adam to do. He has this beautiful garden. He has everything that, that Adam needs, but he has work. And remember, work was not like it is now. This is prior to the curse. This is prior to the curse, but God has created us for and prepared us for good works. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. But for each one of us, He's prepared good works. So why would we think we're just going to go into heaven sitting on a cloud and just sleeping all day or whatever you think you're going to do? God has... God's going to have something for you to do. I'll probably be cleaning pools or something. I'm good with that. I'm in. You know, I'm good. If I'm cutting grass, I'm good. You know, whatever it is, I'm good. You know, I clean toilets here, I can clean toilets there. I'm good. Whatever I need to do, I do. At the end of the day, we need to remember that God has a purpose for us. And, and I, I, we, we need to step into that. So work is not a curse. For this generation, the reason why they struggle with work it's because there are no men in the home. There are no fathers in the home. There's a natural order that God created of man and woman to be what? Married. And, and they're supposed to be a father in the home. And we have one of the worst epidemic of fatherless homes. And it doesn't affect just one race. It affects every race. And they said it's an epidemic. And so what happens is you have men that come up and they're not men. One of the things that drives me crazy is to watch, I watched the, whatever that green meanie thing was on the subway. Man, I would have loved to, I would have just started laying people out. I'm sorry. You have women that are getting beat up on the subway and you have men sitting there on their phones watching, looking down. They're not even paying attention. And I'm like, where are the men at? Be men, right? God's called you to be the protector, to be the man. Man, if you got to take some punches, you take the punch so that woman don't have to get hit. They were beating that woman down. God's created us to do work. And as part of our obedience is, is to, to step out into what God has given us the abilities to do. And that's part of our faith, too, is, is when we think about it, you know, a faith is dead without good works. It tells us that, that we're prepared for good works. But don't be afraid to be a man. This culture doesn't want you to do that. 
man, let you act up when my grandfather was around. It didn't matter what child you were and where house you were at. He would, come here. And when he'd give you that, it was over. Everybody froze because you knew somebody was fixing to get it. You were doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. You got corrected. You got corrected. Requires, let me tell you something. If you have kids, it requires parents to, to raise kids. Mom and dad. It is hard. I have no clue. I, God bless the single moms. I have no clue how they do it. It is hard. It's hard. But to raise them in Christ is even harder. But it's, it starts when we set the example in the home. It's the way that we, we interact with our kids. Do we glorify God in the house? I love it because he tells them he's going to put them to work in the garden. What is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6? Paul actually tells us ministry is like being a farmer. It's, it is hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. He's like, hey, man, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have to work. It's hard work. Verse 16, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of the, every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, God gave him a command in the Hebrew. He gave him orders. He laid charge of it to him. And he was supposed to maintain and keep it. Now we know by the time we get to chapter 3, it's man's fault. I know they say it's because of Eve, right? But who does God hold responsible? The man. And we'll get into that next week. Why? That's, that's the deal. Man was placed in the garden to do work, but he was also a product of the curse eventually. And so work got harder because of the fall. I, I think it's very important for us to understand that we all have a choice. We all have free will. And God created us in His image to have a relationship with the Creator, but He loves you and He wants that. But if you're going to continue to be disobedient, Right? You're just going to create that division and divide that's going to happen. Your heart's going to just get harder and harder. I mean, we need, I mean, one of the things I pray, uh, I, I agree, I mean, in some aspects that the church needs to be healthy. The bride should look presentable when Jesus returns, right? Right now we're divided. We're fighting. There's no unity in the body. There's no peacemakers anymore. We're, we're, we're focused on, I mean, we get focused on these big things within the church that we're not focused on the things outside the church. The lost. The people that need to hear the gospel. We don't realize that our marriages actually represent and should glorify God. Like when your kids see that, they should see something that they should aspire to. And, and we have free will. We have that opportunity to have a loving relationship with the Creator, and He wants that. But He tells them, hey, this is a command. You can't eat of that. Right? Provided Him everything else He needed. But that one thing, don't mess with it. And what do we do? It's just like that kid at the bus stop. We try to get as close to the line without going over. The line of sin. Well, let me see how much closer I can get. Let me see how much closer I can get. And it's like, no. You have choice. You have free will. You have a choice to choose between good and evil. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. God will deal with our sin. 
Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39, it says, And as for you little ones, who said you would become a prey, and your children who to today have no knowledge of good or evil, they shall go there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. And he was talking to the, the, uh, to the Israelites as they left Egypt, and they were complaining and desiring to be back in Egypt. And he's like, you're going to die in the desert. You'll never see it because of your disobedience. They saw God move. They saw the plagues. They saw the, they walked through the sea and they questioned God. And so they never saw it. He says, you little ones who, who said you would become prey and your children, who today have no knowledge of good or evil? You didn't learn anything. You're being disobedient. So what do we see as the garden? The garden of Eden was a place where man could meet God. That is the thing that you need to pull from this. This was a place where man actually could meet God. Now you have that same access today because of Jesus Christ on the cross. The veil was torn. You have access to God. And how many of us would say, man, I would love to be Adam. But you, like, you have the Holy Spirit in you and you have access to God now. Do you take advantage of it? The Garden of Eden was a place of total provision. Everything that Adam needed and Eve needed was given to them. Everything. And their diet, they were vegetarians. Now, I don't know if we're going to go back to that when we get to heaven, but they were eating a lot, of, a lot of vegetables and fruits, right? The Garden of Eden was a place of unity and fellowship. Eve was created in the garden and brought to Adam. And they were united in fellowship, the first human couple, the first human marriage. We're only in chapter 2. The Garden of Eden was a place of work and fulfillment. God put Adam in the garden, gave him spiritual rest, but he also wanted him to take care and tend to the garden. The question you have to ask yourself is, how's your garden? Right? How's the garden of your heart? Is there a lot of overgrowth? Is there a lot of dead stuff there that needs to get pulled out? You know how a garden... I remember when I saw uh, Coral's garden. She showed me, and there was stuff that was growing, but then there was stuff that needed to be moved and overgrowth, and a lot of dead stuff that needed to be pulled out. And, and it brings life when you do that. Now they have beds and flowers and everything. It's pretty cool. But we need to deal with that stuff too. We tend to the garden, right? The Garden of Eden was also a place for the first marriage, and we'll get into that next week. And we forget that the Garden of Eden was a place of innocence. A place of innocence. I just think about what our kids go through today, and, and uh, even at a young age, at first, second grade now, they're trying to take innocence away from these kids as young as they can. The Garden of Eden was a place of life because of the tree of life. And the Garden of Eden was a place of testing. You can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They had a decision that they had to make. We all have the same choice. Are you going to choose to disobey or obey? And that, unfortunately, Adam fell along with Eve. But you know what? The Garden of Eden was also a place of atonement and hope because we have the promise of Jesus Christ. And the Garden of Eden, finally, as we look at it, is a place that we would love to have restored, which will be, but it's also a place we would long to return. In Revelation 22, verses 1 through 3, it says, The angel showed me the river of life, the, the river of the water of life, bright as the crystal flowing from the throne of God and, and of the Lamb, 
Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit yields its fruits, uh, fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations, no longer there being anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. You will see the tree of life again if you've given your heart to Christ. That's crazy to think about, right? I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.